Wow. Yeah. Does that have... That has a whiffer? Robot voice, because of... Thick yeah. and dark looking. It looks you put a lot of oxygen into the fermenting yeast, they go aerobic and they start multiplying. Great American Ale off, but I don't want to drink a bunch of American Ales. Cause of death. Dun, dun, dun. It tastes worse than Bud Light. <laughs> Straight up 10. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, that we as, have. As your, um, sorry, we don't you really. Uh, we don't really use um, Zoom all too much, but uh, we we actually haven't done. I say we right now. It's just me. Uh, I we haven't. I'm gonna say we, but we haven't actually done an interview since May. We we kind of took a break, and this is sort of us uh, getting back into it. We usually use Skype, but uh, we use Skype recently. And and it completely shut down. Our 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 recording software shut off as soon as the Skype uh, the Skype call started, and we didn't realize until after the interview was done. And so, like, well, we're, let's go ahead and switch to Zoom. Zoom auto record. So there's no there's no uh, issues. <laughs> how, how how was that conversation afterwards with the guests when you had to say, "I'm sorry, it wasn't recorded"? How did that go down? Oh, it it hurt. But uh, I mean, he he was kind of cool with it because we he was actually uh, he's he's been a guest before. Uh, he was a Canadian director, okay. and um, yeah. he he's been on once before, and he was he's really cool about it. Uh, we're gonna try to um, get him back on and try to <laughs> rekindle. It was a really good conversation too, which really sucks. He he he, he made a lot of he made a lot of uh, profound statements that would have been good to hear the first time around, and so now I just gotta try right, to get right, him to. Right. Get them to say those exact same things with the same, uh, the same emotion. <laughs> I feel for you. I feel for you now because I can only imagine just the uh, yeah, kind of like the what if or like I'm sorry, technology let us down again. But you were great. You were great. But yeah, <laughs> so. the, that's kind of the reason why we kind of took a pause on recordings. Like the last, uh, the last interview we did was super, super stressful. Uh, we interviewed a rock band. Uh, back in May and like we thought we had all this time we had to like get all this but we had to get all our stuff set just right and just take so long to get everything uh set up perfectly for uh for interviews and stuff like that make sure all the all the uh mics are being picked up at the correct uh volume and uh we're like okay yeah. we're gonna have this good interview with this guy uh with the, with this band and the manager's like okay you got 15 minutes so, or something or 10 or 10 minutes so we had to cut uh we had to cut down like an hour's worth of questions to 10 minutes and we we ended up uh getting about 20 25 minutes in but uh it was just super that's a good effort that's a, that's a good effort from 15 to 25 yeah yeah i mean uh it was it was fun it was it was actually a really good interview and it was really cool uh talking to that band because i i was fans for uh of them for a uh, while it's just uh, yeah. it's, we just found that the complications of interviews and just the problems that arise uh, were kind of we just wanted to take a take a pause because we did a we did like a whole bunch of interviews back to back. We took a long so we took a, yeah. a good pause. I mean, back in May, so 
So about May, June, July, August, like four months now. So, but it is cool that we get you on here, man. It's cool to have you, uh, Mr. James Pratt. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Now, this is Opinions and Beer. Ironically enough, most of our guests do not drink. But uh, do you, are you a uh, craft beer? Do you fancy a craft beer? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm at, the, uh, at like the top end of the scale. I think I'm probably like medium. Uh, I don't mind a beer. Uh, but, you know, I'm probably not like the, uh, the, tr- the quintessential Australian beer drinker, you know, that's got like a real – um, you know, like a solid background. Oh, he has solid statistics to back him up when he says he's a beer drinker. <laughs> but uh, that's cool. You know, uh, like I said, like we've we've had people that are just uh, they're non-alcoholics in general, or they're recovering alcoholics, and they're they're against beer altogether. <laughs> we just have a no. we, we kind of have a slew of a slew of guests, and it's just it's just sort of fun. It's it's just sort of fun to talk with them. You know, this, it's not just you know, about beer. It's about opinions as well. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, I, I, wanted, I wanted to lay that out there because, uh, true story, when I was like 19 years old, see, in Australia, the, uh, the drinking age is 18, not 21. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of get on board drinking a little bit younger. But a friend of mine said this is market research company, and they were paying, they were paying like $100 to pretty much you go into like a focus group and you talk about beer. Uh, and the, the catch was, is they only wanted people that were like strong beer drinkers for this market research. And of course I'm like 19, not a strong beer drinker. I'm, I'm more, you know, bourbon and Coke and kind of like a more spirits guy. But, uh, he said, don't worry about it. You know, they won't notice. So we'll just pretend like we're really strong beer drinkers. And then I just, I just remember being really out of my depth because it was a group market research. So they were saying things like, you know, to the group, like, oh, how much would this case of beer cost? And they're like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a so-and-so albatross type beer. And that would be twenty four ninety five. And what about you, sir? And I was, I was out of my depth. I was like, oh, I'd say that would be twelve ninety five. Like, it was very <laughs> obvious. I was not a beer drinker. Um, and by the end, they stopped asking me and my friend questions. <laughs> like, they'd go around the group. But then they kind of put like a big hole in like, we're going to go back over this side of the room and ask this gentleman, not, not <laughs> when it was kind of up to our turn. They just, they took like a huge 180 and were like, yeah, these guys just, they're not going to help us with our research. So, so just putting it out there when you ask me, am I a beer drinker? I, you know, medium, not, uh, not, not quite full on. Yeah. Our, our, uh, our budget's getting kind of, uh, our budget's getting thin cause all the beers we're buying is uh 10 bucks a bottle or 20 bucks a bottle. <laughs> it's, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's a nice chunk of change. <laughs> 10 bucks, 10 bucks for a bottle. It's, it's, it's like smaller bottles too. Like, cause some, some they'll put in these giant nice bottles. It's like, okay, that's worth 10 bucks. But then you get like right. you get a ten dollar bottle that's like a oh it's an import from the Netherlands and it was uh, aged in the cask of dying uh, <laughs> dying whale carcass or something. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Jesus. So so what what are you drinking? What let me ask you this. What 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 are you drinking at the moment, beer wise? Oh, beer wise, I'm I I sadly I can't I'm not allowed to say, but I'm not drinking beer right now. I I. I I, I kind of uh, I kind of came over here to um, to my co-host's place. We're like, hey, we really need to do this interview. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to keep them waiting, and I really would like to get them on the show. 
And so we will be drinking later, though. I we usually, <laughs> usually we, uh, we usually we do our interviews, and then uh, we will cut in the like the beer review uh, into the into the episode. Either like usually after usually after the um, interview concludes, we'll have a a beer review uh, attached to it. And uh, we do yeah. have a, uh, it's like a it's like a Netherlands import uh, aged in uh, whiskey barrels is uh what's it called it's like black cat or something that we're going to be tying together with uh this episode with you <laughs> yeah no look I, I think that sounds all very professional to me if i'm putting that diplomatically it sounds fantastic <laughs> but that's yeah professionally done wait till after the show uh and kind of just you know enjoy it yeah yeah and uh you're actually our sec. you know you're our second australian to uh be on the show our first one was uh jason ellis I don't know if you know who Jason Ellis is from the, uh, Jason you know what? I, we, I, I, I've heard the name, but I might be thinking of someone completely different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the film industry. Well, no, uh, he actually, he made it, um, he made it from skateboarding. He's actually, uh, he was a professional skateboarder from Australia and, uh, but, oh, now, okay. but now he's a, uh, he's like a big radio host and he does like a radio show and he does uh fighting and he does all kinds of stuff. Okay. Well, I was going to say, like, uh, I have heard the name, but yeah, if he's Australian, good guy. I'm sure he's a good guy. If he's Australian, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was okay. He was cool. He was cool. We, we, <laughs> it was, it was an interesting interview. Uh, we actually, in fact, after, after interviewing him, it went so bad that, uh, <laughs> 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 it went so bad. I, I immediately, uh, interviewed two people, one of them being Jessica Ross and the other one being London Seabreeze. And, uh, and that's how you're on the show. <laughs> so No, no, no. Well, I, I appreciate being here. Um, <clears throat> just to, I mean, from my quick thing, just being Australian, I, I do find that probably one of the, the, the best benefits of being Australian, especially in the U.S., is, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of gaps between Australia and back in Crocodile Dundee, meaning... A lot of people still think that, um, and this is not just in the state, this is over in Europe as well. They, they think things like, you know, like I ride a kangaroo to school or, you, uh, you know, yeah, we, we, yeah. no, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't have Uber. We have like kangaroo pool where we just, we kind of just ride on the kangaroos. Yeah. yeah I I've um, always thought that you know, Australians just ride kangaroos and lick frogs. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. And, uh, you know, carry knives and, and wrestle crocodiles, that type of thing. Yeah. I was going to say, it's come well in handy when you, you come across somebody. I, I had this friend of mine and he used to travel through Europe a lot. And I he used to tell me like people would come up to me him and say things like, oh, like, is it true that, you know, you, you have to ride like a kangaroo to the airport? <laughs> like, he'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. And in return, you feed the kangaroo when you, when you, when he drops you off. That is why everybody around the yeah, that's why everyone around the world still thinks like Australia is just technically, you know, you ride a kangaroo or or you know, crocodile dundee because Australians still keep up the image that that's what we do. Like forget about the, you know, seventy story skyscrapers and all the, the, the technology. It's just we like to keep that image going. And I, I feel like it's for our benefit. Right, right. We we, we kind of have a similar uh similar feeling sometimes we're we're down in texas and everyone thinks we wear cowboy hats and ride 
<laughs> and ride horses. <laughs> but it's, 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 I mean, from my point of view, Texas is cool. So I, I like that. Uh, I like that style that you're describing. <laughs> the very Western. Yeah. We're still having Western shootouts down here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Texas, big, 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 uh, you know, the lawless West, right? Yeah. Big, trucks, exactly. big cowboy hats. <laughs> Even yeah. though we're the South, yeah. we're still called the West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wild. No, there's similarities there between Australia and uh, and Texas. Then that's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you guys have a uh, extreme weather conditions where, like, uh, in the morning you're wearing a coat and, <laughs> but during the day you're in swim trunks? <laughs> you know, it, it, we we get that kind of like tropical vibe. You know, when you're down there, um, depending where you are, depending where you are. But yeah, there's a couple of states where like they call it four seasons in one. There's one state called Melbourne. Uh, they call it four seasons one, meaning it'll like rain, it'll be very hot and sunny. Then it'll kind of be like you know super like windy, and then there'll be like the the you know like a snap. It'll go from hot to cold again very quickly. Um, so in hindsight, don't, don't visit Melbourne is what I'm saying. <laughs> if you go to Australia, Sydney's, Sydney's much more, um, yeah, it's m- much more predictable. <laughs> so, um, so you're, what do you do, Mr. Mr. James? What do you do? Are you, uh, you're an actor? So, uh, at the moment, I've got a couple of projects in the, in the works at the moment. So, uh, as an actor, um, I've just finished a feature film called On Halloween, um, which is uh, at AMF next month. Uh, but it's, it's got some more. It's already got some. Yeah, it's, it's got some. We had a cast and crew screening of Fox, uh, which I was kind of, you know, I was surprised because I hadn't seen the film as we were shooting it. Um, and I, I play one of the leads, um, an LA detective who's trying to solve this on Halloween murder case. Uh, and I was really, you know, I was like, this is a cool film. It's, it's kind of classed as like a thriller horror, um, with a nice tone. Like it's not completely a horror film, but it's got that, uh, it's got that audience that would find it interesting too, but it's, it's got a nice storyline as well. Oh, uh, and it it takes place on. Is it going to be released uh, this year or next year? So I think because it's it's at uh, AFM, I think it'll be it'll be next year. Uh, but that's um, you know that's kind of a little bit out of my hands. But uh, I mean, so far so good. You know, there's been some some really good reviews uh, with the people that have have seen it. Um, so that's that's just like an actor. So that that's kind of a lead. And then uh, I'm gearing up to uh, to shoot a passion project actually of mine. Um, it's a feature film called Malibu Crush, uh, that is an American film that, uh, it's kind of, it's a, it's a buddy comedy, road trip comedy, uh, throwback to more the, <clears throat> more the comedy of, you know, a little bit of the late eighties, you know, Chevy Chase, National Lampoons. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's got a nice, yeah, it's got a nice under, underplaying set of characters, um, and you kind of root for the underdog. So, so we started shooting that in December. Uh, and then <clears throat> in the film space, I, uh, have a, I'm involved in a, a brand new film startup company that's launching at Sundance. And then I, uh, I also have a podcast that's called Conversation Hollywood. So when you were talking about recording guests, I, I feel for you because I, <laughs> I know the experience when you're, you're in the groove and you're loving it. And then you realize that, you know, for whatever reason, it hasn't recorded yeah um 
unlike your case, I've, I've had to have that awkward conversation with the guests where I've been like, we didn't get it. And we're kind of like, well, that was, that was your chance to get it. Yeah. I'm not coming back. So that's yeah. kind of what happened with us with, uh, who was I say? Uh, I already forgot his name again. Um, Jason Ellis. That's what happened with Jason Ellis. We, Hey man, uh, I know that we kind of, uh, without well, that, it was, it was, it was more of a, <laughs> it was more of a, we had a guest on and he, he was kind of a bludgering idiot. And that's kind of one of the other things why we don't drink anymore with guests. But <laughs> alcohol, alcohol does make things different. I, I understand. I understand what and you're saying with that. And yeah. so, and so he, we didn't, we didn't know how to fix the situation. Like, Hey man, like he won't be back. Just if we can get you, if maybe you can come back on another day. He's like, and they're like, well, I'll, I'll ask my radio show. And they talk openly on the radio show about it which is kind of cool because we got a plug, but it was also kind of bad because they just kind of, nope, they blew their chance. They fucked up. Wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. So, you, so, you're, so you're going with the any publicity is good publicity. Yes. Angle. Yeah. Yes. Like, like we made angle. it on the radio. But <laughs> we made it on the radio, but the, the, the angle was perhaps a little bit slanted, but we made it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! But yes, yeah, so you say uh, you say Malibu Crush is uh, is your passion project. Are you uh, you're directing this? Or are you just acting? So the the reason why it's a passion project is because I, uh, I I wrote it um, I wrote it about four and a half years ago. And and I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm not a writer. Like I I, I you know I've got enough to do the you know the ninety ninety it's ninety two pages. But I've taken I've taken classes and I've done some USC stuff, but as far as like, uh, you know, getting this down, I've had to kind of, once I've finished writing it, um, you know, take the valuable opinion of a few good writers just to kind of flush it out a bit more and tighten it up with the, you know, first, second, third act and the stakes. And, uh, but basically the reason why it's a passion project is I, I wrote it myself and then I, I had some really good feedback, um, about four and a half years ago from a CAA, a talent agent, uh, lit agent, and they really liked it. And then it kind of just fell by the wayside as, as life gets in the way. Uh, and then I've done nothing with it. And this is the year where I, you know, just <clears throat> very much in that mindset of, of like a business mindset, which is, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And for me, it's about just making it uh, with a pretty indie budget just for the sake of making it rather than kind of just thinking, well, you know, if I, it's one of those things where if I don't, if I don't really take the bull by the horns and just make it, it's probably going to fall by the wayside again for another four years and life gets in the way and you forget about it. And yeah. So, so that's, that's what's taken up the time at the moment. It's just uh, getting this all in uh, pre-production. Yeah. Sound, do, you, do you have a particular scene in mind that, um, that you can't wait to film like a particular, like what you know, there's a, well, I can give you a little bit of the premise, so it makes a bit of sense the uh, the scene. But so so basically, what it is, it's it's these uh, two guys that have done absolutely nothing with their lives since high school, uh, and they kind of have this this crush. One of them has this crush since high school. Uh, he remembers it one way. It's revealed later in the film that she remembers it completely different. Uh, but so passionate about is this guy that he, he tracks her down and finds that she's uh, she's in Sydney, Australia now. So he goes from Pasadena with his buddy. Remember, they haven't done anything with their lives. So they're 
They're not going there with me. You know, they're not going there with like a, you know, I'm a doctor or I'm a successful musician. It's, they're just taking themselves there. Uh, but one of the ways in which they do that is they, they con them like with a student exchange program. So they basically pretend they're highly acclaimed film school students. <laughs> and the exchange is because they're getting these great film school students. So think, you know, USC graduating students, they've actually got to shoot a commercial for someone in, uh, in Sydney, Australia. So, <laughs> so the comedy is very much layered and they've got to keep up the rows long enough till they track this girl down. And the stakes are growing more and more when they can't find her. Uh, but at the same time, they're also, you know, people are really catching on that they're not, uh, they're not who they say they are. So probably when you're talking about one of my favorite scenes, there's a, there's a scene where they, they get an Australian actor. Like, again, they, they've got to direct it. So it's all kind of being given to them when they arrive. Uh, so it's not like they've got to start from scratch with this, you know, high-end uh, TVC, but they've been given this Australian actor to work with and, and we're casting like a real, you know, kind of like a, a Chris Hemsworth in 20 years time, uh, you know, you know, Chris Hemsworth, you know, uh, 40 year old. There's a couple of Australian actors there who's actually going to play themselves. But basically, uh, they're really worried about getting found out. So, and this Australian actor is just really acting like, you know, a diva on set. So what they do is they actually cut his brakes in one of the scenes on his bike. Um, because they're, they're worried that, that they're worried that if the scene doesn't look good enough, people are going to think they're fake. So they're like, this will add special effects. So this, the scene is where the actor has got to ride down this very steep hill. And in the script, he just pulls up, you know, presses the brakes and pulls it up and, you know, says to camera, uh, you know, this is the next restaurant chain you got to visit. But instead, this Australian actor just flies down the hill um, and, and plows straight into the back of a car. And they're really proud of themselves because they're like, that looks much better. <laughs> and obviously, obviously, like, uh, you know, there's repercussions. But that that's the sense of their intelligence um, and a little bit to do with, you know, obviously their motivation is to just not be found out so they can find this girl, but their uh, yeah, their ways of doing that is is quite uh, it, it's it's very Chevy Chase meets yeah. I can definitely uh, tell by uh, yeah. how you're describing it. I can definitely see the uh, the Chevy the Chevy Chase aspects and uh, sounds yeah, fun, yeah. dude. It, that sounds it, fun. It's <clears throat> well, I was going to say it's been uh, it's been good so far, uh, and and really looking forward to shooting in uh, in Los Angeles and also in uh, in Sydney, Australia over summer. So if all goes to plan, it'll be, um, you know, mid, uh, mid next year uh, out of post-production and hopefully making, look, if one person likes it, then it's a huge success. So, yeah. you know, exactly. you're so <laughs> what, um, what got you started in all this? What, 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 what drew you to the entertainment industry and how long you've been, uh, have you been doing it? So I, uh, I, I, I straight out of high school, I went to this, uh, this school in, in Australia called NIDA. Um, and it's, it's probably, it's got like a really good reputation because it's, it's actually the school that uh, Mel Gibson went to, uh, pretty much all the big Australian actors went there. Uh, Kate Blanchett went there. Um, who else has gone there? Um, uh, I've just, I've just shot myself in the foot. <laughs> said all the big Australian actors. Um, Sam Worthington went there. Um, 
uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I could I could list more than just those three, but it, it's it's got a huge alumni. So I went to an acting school there, uh, and um, yeah, just sort of learned the craft, and then uh, really enjoyed that, and and did some TV and film work, and then sort of got really motivated in behind the scenes work as well. So I'm I'm very passionate about the the industry behind the scenes as well, and and how that's changing very much at the moment. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, being, being probably like an actor in 2020, I think is a little bit more than just waiting for the phone to ring and, and waiting for your agent. I think it's more now realizing that you have a lot more control when you're a producer and you can see right now that TV is, is really powerful. If you can take it, if you've got a product that you can, you know, shop around to Netflix or Stan or all these new uh, streaming services that are launching. Yeah, I know a lot of people are, um, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of it too, of self-distributing through like Amazon, getting it through Amazon Prime yeah. and whatnot. <clears throat> yeah, and I think I think the thing is, it's just really interesting. Like you, you bring up a really good point. Is, um, I, I mean, you, you look at the the success that a lot of people have. You know, Jennifer Aniston and Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and and even you know Kevin Costner's got a really good story as well. But it's you know, they've always got like a, a producing partner uh, on their films, um, which allows their career to really, you know, expand and take off because you've got so much control then of, of how your, your character is going to be portrayed in the film, um, which is just a really, really smart way to be looking at, to be operating in Hollywood. Like if, if you can see the power of being a producer, uh, it, it gives you so much more um to, to really not just have the role, but also to kind of like make sure your role stands out and, and you get another really good opportunity. So, you know, I've always, uh, yeah. I, I always like to ask uh, about your, um, your support. Cause I, I, I talked to a lot of, um, talked to a few directors and actors and independent filmmakers about their, uh, their support compared to someone that might not be doing as well. And it, I really feel like the biggest thing that I found was that, successful people have a really good support system have you have you uh yeah. do, you, do you have a su- good support system or did did everyone want you to like wrangle kangaroos yeah <laughs> um well i mean in in hindsight i mean i'm sure there probably was one person that wanted me to wrangle kangaroos <laughs> um but uh you know what? You make a really good point. You have a really good point because I, I think that that's something that you kind of have to find organically, you know, like a good support network. Um, you know, I, I probably, uh, I think probably right now is I've got a better support network because you're a little bit older and, and you realize, um, what you should be looking for. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the good thing about Australia and the, the film industry for, the U.S. is that a lot of U.S. shows get shown in Australia. So as someone growing up, you know, in Australia, you, you're very westernized in, you know, like obviously Netflix and Warner Brothers Productions. And it's it's not such a huge leap that when you go over to the States, it's not like coming from a, a country, you know, like in Asia where it's like a whole language barrier and what's this, you know, films are shot differently and this genre is much more important than this one. It's, it's a really easy segue. So when you're kind of going back to your question about the, the support network, um, that's kind of an easier thing to find because you have a lot of things in common, like an Australian coming over to the States, 
you have a lot of things in common where you can sort of, uh, you know, you can connect with people easier and find your sort of network a little bit easier. Um, but you still got to play the game in Hollywood. I mean, as, as you know, it's, a, uh, you know, everybody, everybody wants something there um, at, at any age. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got a, got a random phone call in the middle of that. And I was like, I'm trying to mess with that. Uh, my man. I'm, yeah. Probably uh, kangaroo, kangaroo wrangler, kangaroo wrangler, <laughs> someone calling up. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for a kangaroo wrangler. This is a damn kangaroo sure. wrangler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm really happy that, that, um, I've got more stuff that I'm, I, I do want to say though, I'm, I'm happy that we're on, that you're on the show and I'm, how how did you um how did you uh, meet up with uh, Jessica Ross? So I actually oh this is a funny story actually because I um I I was this is going a long time ago this is right right when LinkedIn came out like the very first time LinkedIn and uh, I was I was in Australia and I was going over to the states and with like a business thing I was working on I messaged a bunch of people and. Uh, Jessica had this like very, you know, immaculate headshot and this, you know, totally ball and resume. Uh, and I, I messaged all these people and they were super snobby and none of them got back to me. And the one person that got back to me, I was like, you know, and again, Jessica, she had this, you know, impeccable headshot and amazing resume. She gets back to me and she's like, oh, hey, James. Yeah, sure. Like, I'd love to, you know, connect and talk about, you know, common networks and, I was kind of like, okay, that, that figures, you know, like all the people that I thought would, you know, less qualified or less impressive would be the ones to get back to me. And then, uh, yeah. And then I, I sort of connected with Jess when I, I went over cause I, I spent a lot of time in LA at that point as well. Uh, and yeah, just, you know, we, um, you know, became really good friends pretty much straight away, just similar interests. And like you said, good, good support network. Um, that, yeah, she's that helps. Cool. She's been real cool. You're yeah. our, uh, you're our second person that she's helped, um, helped us get on the show and stuff. Uh, the last person was a uh, London sea breeze. And it's just, it was just, it was kind of crazy. Cause we, 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 we received like a couple of, um, I think it was like submissions. Cause we, we put out like an ad thing for like people that wanted to be on the show. And, um, and she was one of the people that's uh, submitted and we emailed her and I didn't think nothing. I was just trying to email all these people. And she was the first person to get back to me. And so we did the interview with her. And shortly after, uh, she sent me some contact info of someone else. And she's been, uh, she's really cool. She's really cool at networking. Yeah, yeah. She's, um, and she's got a really, really, uh, like a talented actress. But, I mean, she's got a, a really cool, uh, a cool story in her life. Meaning, like, she's been, she was season one of Fashion Dolls, the reality show. Uh, you know, really big PR queen in, in Hollywood, you know, she knows what she's doing with publicity. And then she's got, uh, you know, all these other little projects she's working and she's actually in Malibu crush as well, which is really cool because she's, uh, like I said, she's a great actress. Um, and she kind of represents like, she's, she's a, she's a great person and, and very talented. And that's when you're talking about that sphere of influence or that support network. Uh, it's, it's great to have people like that. Heck yeah. Uh, so I want to, I want to dive into a little bit of your past here. What is this, what is this, uh, auctioneering stuff you do? You still do that? Right. So, I, so I'm actually the, uh, yeah, the, the Australian auctioneer of the year. Uh, of this the year? year as well. Of this year? Yeah. This year. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. 
Oh, nice. So that's, uh, you know, real, real estate auctions and, um, how, how does one win you, that? You, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I'd like to say there's some talent involved there, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I, I, it's, it's like another one of my passions that I've got, um, which is, uh, I, I have a company, uh, outside of the, the, the acting and the, the entertainment, uh, stuff, which is, uh, so mainly celebrity and luxury houses around the world and, uh, sell them by auction. So in America, auctions are not so common unless it's a bankruptcy or foreclosure. But countries like, you know, uh, you know, New Zealand and Australia and the UK and, and in Europe, uh, auctions are actually a really good way to sell your house. Um, you know, you get like an example. I had a, an auction with the, the number one Sotheby's agent uh, in Australia early, earlier this year and sold a six million dollar house for eight million just because oh, nice. those 10 people are wanting yeah, like just because 10 people are wanted it and they're all in the same room together or, or on the phone, uh, that they just get caught up in the bidding. And, and again, it's also when you get into that kind of like price point, uh, you know, a lot of people sometimes just bid out of a little bit of ego, you know, like I want to be the, the person that, you know, has the most money in the room. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I worked really hard at that and, and sort of specialized in, in luxury houses and, um, I actually had a TV show deal uh, a couple of years ago in Hollywood to do a, an auction show um, that kind of, you know, a few things outside of the actual show with the production company came up. But um, yeah, there's been some, some good times there. Yeah. That's crazy. So, you, you, so you're like sitting there talking real fast and tricking people to buy houses? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's like your cattle auctioneer. <laughs> um, it's a little bit, little, but 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 I like I like where you're going because that's very Texas too, you know, cowboy hat and yeah, um, that's what we're used to. Yeah, that would be that that would actually that actually sounds cooler than what I do, to be honest with you. Especially wearing the being able to wear the hat and kind of just really go for it. Um, probably a little bit, a little bit more polished and a little bit more like an art auction because it's a it's a one big ticket. So it's often I think with the auctioneering that's very much like you've got like 2,000 lots to do per one pun one day uh whereas with a house you're you're just selling the house it's more about you know talking about the you know the nine bedrooms and 11 bathrooms and the you know the pool has had this and this and this put in uh so it's a little bit slower a little bit more but same thing you know first second third call first second third call you know really put the pressure on yeah yes this this room has a golden bidet <laughs> we, would you I, like I, five I, million? I, I, <laughs> I got to be honest. I, I've I've sold some incredible houses around the world, but you kind of get the the nice thing is that you because it's the luxury and you you kind of get to see just how ridiculous the excessive gets to. Meaning, I made the point where you know sometimes the person that buys the house is not. It's more just because they want to be the you know it's out of ego like they want to win the house but it's i mean houses that have got you know like bowling alleys and indoor pools that have an elevator to get to and you know there was one i <clears throat> there was one that i sold and had two cinemas in it because the parents didn't want to share with the kids like cinemas we're talking like you know 100 plus seating in, in in the cinemas because the parents didn't want to share with the kids in case they couldn't decide what to watch forget about like a flat screen plasma this 
this is a decked out cinema. So, so you got two, um, two cinemas, which again, I don't know why you need 120 oh, seats if it's just two of you. Um, and then the crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, you know, the more the, uh, the more the lifestyle, obviously the, the more it costs just to live there per year. So you got to think like, you know, like a 40,000 square foot home with insurance and what happens, you know, when, when you need to change a light bulb, it's not just that light's connected to that. It's, you know, it, it comes with, it, it's crazy to think sometimes, you know, on top of land tax in, in, in Los Angeles, for example, you, you might buy the house for this price, but it's going to set you back this much each year just to, to live there. Well, look, man, if you want to do like a private auction and sell it to me for like five bucks, I mean, I mean, I'm cool with that. Too. <clears throat> no, no, look, <laughs> we never had this conversation and congratulations on your new $5.50 for this, uh, <laughs> yeah, 501. 501 first second third call sold <laughs> so gentlemen i've never seen before <laughs> the 20 bedroom 20 bedroom house <laughs> no it's 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 uh you know I've, I've been really lucky like i said to kind of that that was one of the reasons why this this film script kind of um fell by the wayside a bit because i was really going in and then I've done a few auctioneer TV shows, which have been really made up like reality TV shows with auctioning are all scripted. Um, but at the same time, it's been such a amazing, you know, amazing experience to go in and see how people live and just, yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable. There's actually a house in, in Los Angeles at the moment. It's coming on the market in a couple of months. It's 500 million in Bel Air. Jeez. Uh, just for one house. It's not like a complex or, um, and it's amazing. You know, we're talking four, four, uh, four pools, indoor Olympic size swimming pool, plus indoor Olympic pool, you know, nightclub, casino, um, unbelievable house. And yeah, 500 million Bel Air. And it's, it's funny because if you look at, if you look at the aerial shot of the house, it's called the one, um, Jennifer Aniston actually lives next door. Huh. Jennifer Aniston has got like a really nice house and it's big. Jennifer Aniston has got a very big house. It took her years to build. But when you look at the Jennifer Aniston's house next to this, this $500 million house, her house doesn't even look like the pool house. It's, oh, just, it's a little dot because this house is a hundred thousand square feet. So it's like, it's sort of, you know, you're going next level. If you buy this house, everybody's going to want to come over. Everybody wants, everyone's going to know about it basically. Yeah. I'm in a, uh, I'm in a trailer with no walls right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, well, the thing is, the thing is there, the thing is there, I'm sure your upkeep is much more manageable. You know, your, your costs than kind of like a hundred thousand square foot home. Yeah. I think you'll be able to afford more beer kind of per, per house. That's the benefit there, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> real talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, we keep getting hit by, uh, by random tropical storms down here. So it's always uh, constant uh, updates having to be to be made in these houses around us because they keep getting flooded no 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 well, I, 
no, no, no. Well, I was going to say the, uh, the, there is the benefits of not having, you know, large houses and that kind of lifestyle as well. There is, there is the benefits. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so you're, you're saying you wouldn't move in that house cause you wanted the $800 million house, right? <laughs> well, you know, hold on here. Hold on here. Uh, I would, I would be more than happy to live in the one in Bel Air. More, more than, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it if I have to. Oh, Jennifer Anderson isn't famous enough. Where's the, where's the Michael Jackson house? I wonder if he still yeah, has no. uh, giraffes running around. <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, first world problems. I think yeah, when you, when you get to that level, when you get to that level and you're buying, you know, you know 500 million dollar houses you know the littlest you know what what is a big problem for other people is is just not on the radar for for others but <laughs> but yeah it's a really really nice house um and definitely worth checking out even if you're not going to buy it have a look at it online but but that's uh yeah that's the world the other world that i i kind of work in uh when i'm not um i'm not doing the the, the film so um so what was your, uh, what's your best memory of, uh, filming, uh, on Halloween? My best memory filming that I think, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say something where I'm not going to give too much away, but, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, uh, my best memory, uh, <clears throat> so there's, there's a, uh, I'm, I'm just, you, you, that's a very good question because I'm, I'm just being careful how I talk here. So I'm not mentioning any characters or anything. Uh, my best memory, perhaps look, to be really honest with you, to be really honest with you, my, my best memory is we were shooting early in the morning uh, a lot of the time. And we ended up at one of the producers houses um, for this scene uh, at like two or three in the morning. And this producer had like a really nice house, a little bit outside the city. Um, and he just, I know this is going to sound really, you know, uh, probably not what you're wanting me to say, but it was a nice memory. He had, he, we went to his house and he's got three dogs and he had two Border Collie dogs and a, and a Jack Russell. Um, and I grew up with Border Collies and I, you know, it was just really nice because we were sort of chilling at this nice house that had a pool and the lights are all on at late at night. And then we were kind of ferried to location when we're shooting. Um, but yeah, it was just nice, you know, chilling out of the city, you know, these really cool dogs that were just so friendly. And of course they were loving it because they had this, you know, it was exciting. I could tell that the dogs were loving it. It's exciting, you know, where all these people coming and giving them attention, you know, two in the morning and giving them food and just hanging out. That was, that was really cool. Uh, and then the other, the other thing, which was a nice memory, a fun memory is, um, there was a guy that was actually in the film and he thought we were wrapped. So he shaved his head and then the director was like, Oh no, like we need you for reshoots as well as me. Oh God. So he shaved his head. <laughs> and he had like Ashton Kutcher type hair, uh, meaning, you know, Ashton Kutcher, that 70s show type yeah. hair in, in most of the scenes. So it wasn't like, you know, you could just, <laughs> get away with it was very distinct anyway um <laughs> one of the one of the days showed up on set and they gave him this really horrible wig <laughs> oh god 
Like, I got to be honest with you, it looked nothing like his original hair. I think people were just like hoping people, I mean, people were just hoping for the best from that day. Uh, it looked nothing like him. And I think, I think even the director was kind of like, uh, you know what, I, I think we're just going to have to go for real extreme close-ups or whatever for his reactions. We don't seem oh, care. God. But we, but we, well, it, 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 I want to paint the picture. It looked like somebody had a mop <laughs> and they dyed the mop <laughs> instead of even like trying to make it look like hair. They just dyed it to make it look like black hair. And then they just kind of like stuck it on someone's head. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Anyway, we went out to this location and there was like an, like we're, we were shooting and these extras, you know, these people walk by these bystanders and this, this old man walked past and he's like one of those like older guys that kind of knows everything that goes on in the, in the area. Kind of like, Oh, what are you shooting out here today? And, uh, and well, I was shooting a movie and then he kind of really fascinated this actor's hair. <laughs> 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 how long did it take you to grow? he's like how long did it take you to grow that hair <laughs> <laughs> oh god the actor the actor the actor here well i'm not going to say his name because i don't want to because you, you know the final cut it gets around all this really well but uh the actor the actor's like no, no man it's it's um it's actually like my my wardrobe and the guy's like no it's really cool i mean was it maybe one or two years it took you to grow that because i haven't seen hair like that and the actors having this like have to politely kind of explain to him that it's a wig without taking it off and the guy was not convinced it was a wig he thought he had this, this as he put it really extreme hairstyle um so yeah so there was there was both sides of it there was some some fun times and interesting you know interesting times on set damn uh, damn crocodile hunters y'all can't find a decent uh, wig shop no uh, no decent yeah. wig shop at all yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good Australian accent. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, uh, let's I, I have this, I, I mean, this will, this will be the last time I'll, I'll bring this up, but I, I think you'll find this really hilarious um, with the Australian side of things. I, I have this buddy of mine I went to high school with and um you know, our, you know, end of, end of, uh, high school sort of scores weren't good enough to get him to, to go into college, to be a doctor in Australia when he graduated. So his parents were like, um, you know, you gotta be a doctor. So he, he kind of did whatever the, the overseas thing was. And he got into Chico college in California and <clears throat> he went over and again, you know, thick Australian accent, he went over there and like immediately, like the girls just loved him. They're like, oh my gosh, there's an Aussie guy on campus, you know, no way. So he was really enjoying that. He was kind of like a rare species in, at Chico College. So, uh, so a couple of years went by and he was starting to really chip into being a doctor and he didn't want to leave. So he deferred to be a dentist for another couple of years. At this point, his his parents back in Australia were like, well, he has to, you know, he has to graduate before he comes home. You know, we've invested too much time and money, you know, paying for this education. And second of all, you know, his little brother had just graduated from college in Australia. So it's like, it was kind of like he has to come back. We've We've invested this much 
<clears throat> my my buddy, he did not want to come home. So keep in mind, there's a movie called Van Wilder where the guy lives on campus, yeah. uh, you know, for a good 10 years. This was almost exactly the same, except it was an Australian guy. <laughs> uh, and, and I know firsthand because going and visiting him, it's like everybody knew him first name and everybody was kind of like there to study and he was just there to have fun. Um, anyway, a good... Oh, as I went there just after 17, graduated at 29. So he, he was there for over 10 years. Uh, and, and again, he went there to be a doctor and he graduated in construction management. So he did, he, he basically had that Australian experience that you could only dream of. You know, you're a rare species in a college town, in a fun college, uh, just living on campus for, for over 10 years. And he was, yeah, he didn't want to leave. So, so <laughs> oh my yeah, God. that's pretty funny. That's, that's, oh, that's the TV show there right for it. Uh, so uh, I, I'm reading here that, um, that you're often compared to Owen Wilson and Edward Norton. Did you say this? To you me? know, I, uh, I, <clears throat> a couple of girls that I've dated seem to think that that's who I look like. Personally, I, I don't know either way, but well, who do you um, prefer? Who that, who would that, you who would you prefer to be compared to <laughs> of the two? You know, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Owen Wilson's had a he he seems to be pretty. He doesn't seem to have a lot of enemies. You know, people just seem to take him as he is. He seems a he seems like a cool guy. Yeah, yeah he's a cool guy. Edward I mean, Norton seems very yeah. Edward Norton seems very very talented, but I think like uh, Owen Wilson seems like that kind of. You know, he can just come and go and, you know, do his own thing. And, you know, he's got his own thing going on. Yes. And so you, you feel like you have your own, uh, you're more of an own thing going on. You're not like this method actor. You're not going to be a, an angry, angry method. Wait, is Edward Norton a method actor? Doesn't he freak out? He's a good actor. He's, yeah. I mean, I'd say he's got some, I'm not sure. I think maybe he's acting. I don't quote me. Don't quote me, but I read somewhere. I think he does a bit of like Suzuki and a bit of Lee Strasberg technique, which goes into some, but I mean, that could just be an article, but um, yeah, he's a, he's a really incredible actor, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty good, except he, he doesn't want to be the Hulk, or he, he wanted too much money to be the Hulk. He's like, what a jerk. <laughs> what a jerk. You re- oh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's so Hollywood, isn't it, though? Like, you read, like, how much, uh, how much some of these guys are paid, and you kind of think, like, you know, really? Like, you, <laughs> you're going to knock back this opportunity over that much money as well? But, you never, yeah. He's, yeah, Owen uh, Wilson. Owen Wilson would have done it. <laughs> I would. I would go and I would pay money to see Owen Wilson as a whole. <laughs> I don't know whether it's the same movie. I'm, I'm getting real angry. But... Wow, guys! <laughs> yeah, instead of instead of growling, goes wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does that, uh, you know, he's like, wow. There's a a great, um, I think you guys would really like it. There's a great uh, Owen Wilson impersonation on Funny or Die. It's, uh, you know, the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling? Yes. There's there's Drive with Owen Wilson. 
And <laughs> you, you've got to watch it. Like they really, like when you watch it, you kind of see that they like accentuate his chin and his nose. <laughs> Like five times bigger than what kids. But uh yeah, but basically, you know, Wilson's very quiet. Uh in this version of Drive, it's like Owen Wilson just won't stop talking. Oh my, uh, yeah. So it's worth looking. Yeah, Owen Wilson in Drive. It's uh, it's definitely worth it. Oh okay, man, I think we're uh we're 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 coming to a uh a, a close here soon. Um what's what's something what is it that you would like to get out of acting in the entertainment industry? What's like, what's the peak? What's the end game for you? You know, I think the end game would be to, uh, to, to have my own studio. Um, meaning uh, studios have to be, you know, like 150 employees and 150 films, but uh, to, to have a profile where you can get your films greenlit and to be doing films that that you want to see out there so it's it's almost like you're you're at a position where um you know you have a bit more control over the art rather than just you know trying to either do a film to get to the next stage or do a film for the paycheck yeah uh then yeah, that's yeah notable that's notable and the money's good too and the money's good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the money's always good at seeing so but um but yeah this is we were we were talking to actor james pratt be sure to be on the lookout for his upcoming film on halloween as well as uh future film malibu crush that's currently in pre-production is there anything that uh you would like to plug how do you guys feel if i just mentioned my podcast quickly <laughs> yeah it's cool um no, no, it's, uh, you know, uh, and maybe you guys can think about coming on. Uh, it's just called Conversation Hollywood. I- iTunes um, and uh, no beer. No beer. There's no beer. <laughs> no beer. Yeah. Keep, those, keep those kangaroos in check and uh, quit licking the frogs and we'll be good. <laughs> All right. Hey, All right, good man. Luck talk to you. Great, great talking to you. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. And that's what they said whenever they were frightened by the wallabies. You know what a wallaby is? No. It's like a little, uh, like a little rabbit. Or is it? We don't know. You don't know what that is? You're killing me, Ed Ray. Hello! This is Adam. This is Ed Ray. 1416. You're listening to opinions and beer and you should probably know that by now because we're probably about i don't know 40 minutes into the show lol (coughs) uh you just listened to the interview that i did with our good friend our new our newest newest good friend all the way from the heart of australia Australian actor James Pratt. James Pratt. He was a fun guy to talk to, Ed Ray. I wish you were there. I wish uh, Eamon was there. I wish people were there. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do when the cookie crumbles. Especially if you're in an area that's flood prone. Very, very flood prone. But um. Anyways. <laughs> That was the opinion side of things. I thought he was a fun guy. Uh, what did you think about our guest? 
Be sure to check him out in all the places he said. Check out his podcast. And let's get to it. Let's, you know what? Let's go ahead and get to where we need to go. You know what that is? The beer. The beer of opinions and beer. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we also got some whining with Ed Ray. We're going to throw in the mix at the end there. I'm going to keep this little wine bottle over here for now because I'm going to take a nice little photo with the wine bottle stationed behind the beers. The wine that he will be reviewing. Because even though we're opinions and beer, sometimes we whine a little bit. Get it? It's a pun. Like puns? You're a punny guy. <laughs> yep, real punny. Oh my god. Anyways, today's beer of the day. Keeping in theme, we've got another Wicked Tales from Scotland series. Uh, it is a product of Dimmark from the Amager Brigus Brewing Company. Located in, you guessed it, Denmark. This is called the Black Cat. It is a peated, peated? It is a peated whiskey barrel aged Baltic porter. If you don't remember the last one that we had, the last uh, beer from this uh, company was a whiskey aged uh, Imperial Stout. I can't wait to try this here porter. I'm more of a porter guy myself. <coughs> it says here, the black cat or Cassius in the local tongue is a fairy creature always known for the white spot on its chest and for being as large as a grown-up dog. Known to haunt the Scottish Highlands, it was feared by the Scots, especially around the time of a death. If the corpse had not yet been buried before the black cat appeared, it would steal your soul before the gods claimed it. What was left behind was a soulless spirit, doomed to forever roam the borderlands between heaven and hell. Oh yes indeed, the black cat is a beast, largely to be feared. Temper temperamental as most felines and risky to deal with. Some households feared that only a constant supply of fresh milk in the barn in a specific black cat saucer would keep them fortunate. And those farms that did not put out a saucer of milk would be cursed by having all of their milch cows run dry. Ed Ray, what would you think of your, if your milch cow went dry all because of a stinking black cat? That'd be a nightmare. Be a nightmare, they say. And I also want to comment. I didn't know the Danish made their own beer. Oh, yeah, dude. The Danish make their beer. And they have a whole little series right now about the tales of... About the scary tales of Scotland. I might I might actually go back and get the rest of the series just to close out. Because uh, I only got two of them. And they had like six. So if I could travel back this week to get the rest in that series. So I can cap off uh, Halloween, right? Cause we, have a, we, have, we have a few good Halloween brews. But I want to I wanna make the build up to Halloween a little better than what we currently have in, um, in, our, in our beer fridge. So I might run by there sometime this weekend. And pick up the rest of that series. Because I, uh, I kind of want to complete it. I want to complete the series. Of the Tales of Scotland. Go for <laughs> it. One of them I think had a picture of Donald Trump on it. It's pretty funny. 
I don't know what he represents. Some scary, some something that Scotland's scared of. Golf <laughs> courses. <Yeah. laughs> Apparently, the Scots hate <laughs> Donald Trump golf courses. Oh, do they really? I'd like to know that myself. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, right here it says it was brewed at eight to thirteen degrees Celsius. Um, it was brewed. It was it was aged for seven months. Um, it says it has it's gonna have a chocolate, uh, chocolate, lemon drop, uh, flavor to it. And they also used lager, uh, lager malts. Very interesting. This beer is ten percent in alcohol by volume. Let me crack this boy, boy, this bad black cat open. Say one thing about Denmark, even though I wasn't aware they made beer, they are the masters of baked goods. Like what? What do they bake? <laughs> Danish specialty cookies. I really didn't know that Denmark did anything. Well, apparently the Danish are a lot more uh, culture, cultural than we thought. We'll see. We'll see what the, the Danish have to offer. Because that first one, I think we only gave like a seven or eight. Maybe even lower, maybe six to eight. We'll see what this porter, the black cat porter, has in stock. Let me let me take a picture of this beer. Ed Ray, just by what do you think about their style? Sometimes it's hard to tell a beer from a cola. It looks more like a cola than a beer. Oh really? Let me make sure that your thing's in there. Okay, it's kind of in the shot, guys. You'll see what I mean. You'll see what wine Ed Ray's drinking. We like to we like to put it in the photo, but this is not a wine show. We just, this is called opinions and beer for a reason. Yeah, we just but we like to have we like Ed Ray to have a segment in the show because he's a he's a, he's been an integral part in opinions and beer since the start of things. Oh yeah, it is the one year anniversary of opinions and beer, isn't it? That we're recording this. The release date is unknown, but we are recording on the one-year anniversary. And if you not, if you didn't notice, we actually have a new theme song and everything, and a new intro, and we're going to be updating that as uh, as we go along with new guests. New guests will fill that intro and void, and um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. I think after Adam has his beer, we're going to reminisce on the highs and lows of opinions in beer, and we have to be objective, so we have to cover both. Okay. Let's uh let's cover both then. Okay, the like the last one, the the whiskey barrel that they age us in. That's what comes through. It comes through so much. Let me try this beer. That tastes like whiskey. What kind of whiskey? This taste I couldn't tell you this is beer. So it tastes a little stronger than Jack Daniels, huh? This tastes... No, well, no. It tastes like a weak whiskey, but still tastes like... A weak whiskey as in Seagram 7? Okay, look. You're not going to try... Ed Ray, this may be the one beer you're going to have to at least take a sip of. Let me see. Let me, let me pour you one. Let me pour you a little sample glass. 
Well, this is gonna be history here, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm gonna take a sip of this. Tell me, tell me, tell me what flavor profile you get from this. Definitely a Seagram Seven. But you, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it tastes like a whiskey. I mean, I don't know what the Danish are using for flavor, but that does not taste like beer. Man. And this goes back to um, one of the one of the biggest statements we've had. Um, we felt this way with car. You know, actually, I don't know, guys. This isn't that good. It tastes just like whiskey. I mean, whiskey's good, but I mean, there's no. I'm not getting any of the flavor. I'm not getting any of these other flavors. Man, maybe I shouldn't go get the rest. I I do want to get the rest in the series. Because that first one was good, so maybe this one just. Maybe I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. I'm not tasting chocolate. That's what I'm thinking. Let me see. I'll tell you what, if Keenan were here, he'd be screaming, "That don't taste like beer. That tastes like pretty cheap whiskey." It does. It tastes. It just tastes like whiskey, like watered down whiskey. Even Seagram 7 had flavor compared to this. This really does taste like watered-down whiskey. So, for you whiskey drinkers out there that do not like beer, this is the beer for you. <laughs> this is the beer that's going to suck you into beer. This here. I mean, it only aged for seven months. How long How long do they age other beers for? Man, other, other companies are aging their beers for like a year, two years. And don't they have better flavor than this? It's just more flavor. It's just the type of whiskey they're using, I assume. The type of whiskey barrel they're using. I mean, it's just so strong. It's like a strong, like whatever. I mean, this is just this is just supposed to have the essence of whiskey. That's why they age it in the barrel, to give it that, like a hint of this whiskey, like this whiskey taste, like a rich taste. So the whiskey, the whiskey barrels they're using must be such a strong whiskey that just the barrels themselves make a whiskey flavored beer and not a hint a full whiskey flavored beer what can I tell you folks that's an interesting taste um, so let me look past it let me let me try to go to the beer uh, part of this. Um, it's a little thinner uh, for a porter than I'm used to. That the aftertaste. Once you get past the whiskey, uh, the beer's a little thin. Man, the, I, I, we gave we gave their stout like an eight. Look, porters are one of my favorite styles of beers. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this a four. I give this a solid four. I mean, it's not it's not horrible. It's just like. That whiskey flavor is way too potent. It's way too potent. I'm not tasting the beer. I'm not tasting the notes they say I should taste. And on top of that, for it being a porter, it's a kind of thin porter. It you know it doesn't have like a. It's not like the porters that I really enjoy. It's like a really thin. Maybe maybe it's the English style. Cause I know English, like overseas, they have a, a different kind of style when it comes to brewing porters and stouts. That sort of make them a little thinner, kind of like a Guinness. Like Guinness, I would say is like a thinner, uh, 
style stout, and they're, they're, they do an English stout. So I think that a lot of these overseas companies uh, and brewers, overseas brewers, might do more lighter stouts compared to the um, some of the uh, more notable in-state stouts and porters that are super thick, thick and uh, creamy and delish, and uh, where you can actually taste the notes. This tastes like whiskey and then like bitter water. It tastes like whiskey and like a bitter water. That's a four. Um, I'm, I'm gonna give it. I'm, I'll give an official rating after I sip on this for a little bit longer. But first, let me pass it off to Whining with Ed Ray. Okay, and now we're gonna start off with uh, Beringer Main and Vine, established in 1876. Now here's the official review. Vine. Behringer, Main and Vine, at the end of Main Street where the shops slowly fade into vineyards and wine country begins. Now, this ha this contains a jammy black fruit flavors with a hint of sweet vanilla. This is vented and bottled by Behringer Vineyards of Sonoma, California. And the alcohol by volume is 2.5%. So now I'm going to go ahead pour this in. Now this is a... Uh, going to be a very interesting wine here because I've had some good wines, I've had some bad wines, but for this one anniversary, this one year anniversary special, I'm hoping this is an excellent one. So, going to go ahead and sniff this. Okay, so it smells pretty good. I'm going to go ahead and taste it. Now, they said it was in between a dry taste and a semi-dry taste but I actually detect a hint of sweetness in here and it's making it pretty palatable for me to take a sip of this wine so I'll take another sip for good measure obviously this is pretty good so I'm gonna go ahead and give this a 6 out of 10 ooh nice 6 out of 10 huh yeah this is not bad I mean even though I have a bias toward Colorossi wine, I will admit, there's some good wine, whether it's $2, $3, or $15, it don't matter to me, I mean, if it's good, it's good. So, I think I'm going to stand with my four. I wanted to warm up a little bit and pour it again, but um, it still, it still has like this, not the best of tastes, and so... Damn, I'm sorry, Black Cat. And uh, I mean, I'm kind of sorry to Amager because drinking this Black Cat doesn't make me want to go out and complete the series like I said I wanted to do. I'll think about it though. Maybe I'll go back and I'll, I'll get one more and and see if they can change my mind. I'll get like I'll get one that maybe is uh, labeled with a lot of flavors, a lot more flavors and and taste than um than what's labeled on here. I mean, I'm not getting any of this. It says, it says lemon drop in it, chocolate. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't, I didn't, I don't taste any chocolate. Not even like bitter chocolate. I'm not even getting any bitter chocolate notes. I'm definitely not getting no lemon drop, nothing. Really just tastes like Ed Ray 
this really just tastes like whiskey water. Like if you like if you got whiskey, maybe a really good whiskey. Let's say we got a really good whiskey on ice. And then you drank the whiskey. And then you let the ice melt. And then you poured that into dark water. That's what this beer is. It's dark water whiskey ice. It's absolutely terrible. I mean, it's not absolute. It's not terrible. If it was terrible, I'd be like, this is a one. But I think the craft, the craftsmanship is there. I think this beer is made for somebody. I just don't think this beer was made for me. And therefore, it's below average. And therefore, it's a four. And that, that's just my opinion. And, and that's fine. Because all we've got here are opinions and beer.